0: Welcome to the Off The Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off The Bench. All right, episode three. I don't know about you, but I wasn't sure we were going to make it this far.
1: Yeah, I I I'll be honest, I didn't think we'd make it this far. Either. <laughs> we started
0: off like, let's just do one and you know, all right, well, we did two and all right, I guess we're going to keep going cuz it's fun.
1: It's yeah, it's I am enjoying it. I know yeah. you're enjoying it and I, and I've got a lot of texts and stuff where people seem like they're enjoying it and so yeah, let's, seriously, yeah, let's keep it going.
0: Anybody out there listening, man, thank you for the encouragement. We've been hearing it from all sorts of places that uh you guys are enjoying the episodes, so um yeah thank you so much we're we're doing our best and uh hopefully getting better and better each time so well we gotta let's talk a little bit about some local sports here we do have a uh guest today again we're gonna get to our guest uh former teammate of yours actually
1: yeah uh doing some big things um played with him at fpu uh I was from monterey and He's won a couple championships, won a uh, G League championship as an assistant coach with Santa Cruz Warriors, and then has won two WNBA championships with the Seattle. Um,
0: no big deal. Just yeah. winning championships and at the and highest he's level.
1: Now he's going to be contacting us from the G League bubble. Yeah.
0: We're going to do our first phone interview here, and he's down living the bubble life down at Disney in uh, in Florida, where... Apparently, COVID doesn't exist down there. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) It's a little different than out here in California. But uh, yeah, he was fun to talk to. So we're going to get to that here in a couple minutes. Um, But first, we're going to cover a few things here local sports-wise. Again, there's not too much going on. But we are recording this on Friday. And the governor did have his big announcement today. And it was some good news for sports. I don't know that it was the best news. Um, Still no word about basketball but some uh good news for football they at least have a a glimmer of hope now as far as being able to get some games in yeah there's an opportunity um right it's just a 14 to 1 ratio right yeah they got to get that uh 14 to a thousand or 14 something. positive tests per thousand people i think and i think right now i think
1: somebody says like at 22 and but it keeps dropping and i think that's the number one thing is right i think football players and football coaches and i think fans and families they just they want that opportunity and i think this is giving them at least that opportunity right like it gives them a shot there's like you said there's a glimmer there's a chance of hope and i think that's all they want is just an
0: opportunity to be able to play yeah it was it was good to see that announcement today because especially for football they are running out of time yes um one thing most people don't, don't don't think about but uh i was actually talking to our Our athletic director about it. And he was reminding me that, yeah, they could play, you know, all through the summer if if they had to. But the one thing people forget about is the equipment, those helmets actually have to be sent off to get recertified. And I know at our school, it takes, you know, four to five months to get those helmets back. And we're we're almost out of time to be able to play. They wait much longer. They're going to be, you know, causing a delay in the fall season. Yeah, so they are running out of time, so we got to get there.
1: Yeah, and I think right, like they're allowed to practice now. Like there's certain things they can't do, right? Like you can't tackle stuff like that. But you know, it's it's one of those things. Is you just
0: want to, you just want an opportunity. Just give me a chance. Yeah, I know. I know kids on our campus have, have been starting to get a little frustrated as far as you know, we're we're practicing, but they were you know feeling like there was no hope. So this was uh, at least this. I think this was the hope that they needed to keep uh, keep driving forward towards a. Even even if they just get a couple games at this point, yeah, I don't. There's no hope of a full ten game season or anything, but you know, Clovis schools if they can all play each other, do a five game season, or every league, you know, just play the league season, that would be pretty pretty awesome to at least get that. Yeah, and
1: you you, you know you you still have those rivalries if you're able to do that. Right, you're still able to do the league, like you have the league rivalries and just you know those different types of games. And I think that's really, I think the communities that's you know. For the most part, that's what people want to see. And kids, as long as they get to run out on Friday Night Lights and get to run out in that tunnel, I think that's – be able to get that experience, I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'd love to be able to go see the uh, the Battle of Barstow right now. <laughs> go see some Bullard-Hoover. Or just any of those big-time rivalries, you know. Um, City of Sanger, I'm sure, is dying to get out to Tom Flores Field. and Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully it happens. Yep. Who, like we said there's a little bit of hope now so that's a that's always a good thing um did see you know there's uh as far as getting kids back on campus um Clovis Unified bringing some kids back next week Tuesday they're doing the hybrid model so Tuesday some uh some kids will be coming back on
1: campus and the high school I work at they're set and geared and ready to go for their arrival and so it's you know hopefully it works out and it's one of those things that hopefully is, you know, we start getting back to that, you know, our normal, what, what used to be normal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good stuff. I also saw that, uh, I think it was Parlier Unified, bringing some high school kids back, and uh, also Kings Canyon Unified. So, out there in Reedley, Orange Cove, that area. Um, it's good. It's good to see um, all these, you know, all these smaller towns, and even Clovis starting to push in that direction. So, um it's good. It's good stuff. Finally, like you said, getting back to a little bit of normal. So again, as far as sports goes, um, Fresno State didn't go so well last night. San Diego State's always tough. San Diego State's loaded. They're always good. It's they, a game of runs. Yeah, it's a game of runs. And
1: <laughs> I've A friend of mine out said life is a game of runs and San Diego State went on one of those runs that they showed why they're a top 25 team.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it started off well for the Bulldogs yes. started off up 11, zero. Yes. And then they blinked and it was 11, <laughs> 11. So, yeah. Uh, but there was some bright spots. I saw that Orlando Robinson had a big game again. And um, so, you know, San Diego state's ranked though. They're in the top 25. So yeah. I don't know that there was too much expectation going into that game, but it definitely didn't go. A
1: lot of, they're a senior led team and you know. a lot of upperclassmen and, I think during this time, what's going on with COVID and like the restrictions, you look at across just college basketball in general, the best teams are all teams that are guys that have been in the programs for multiple years and you have that senior leadership and junior leadership and don't even want to talk about it. you look at me like <laughs> I don't even want to talk about Kentucky. They did win, they did beat Vanderbilt. There you go. So they were back on the winning side. But yeah, like you look at like teams like Kentucky duke north carolina michigan state can't they're not even ranked you said like the blue bloods of college basketball but they've also relied on younger talent one and dones and guys are two years and out and it's when you don't got that practice time it makes it a little tough
0: coach calipari's formula is not working out this year yeah it's a tough year when you don't
1: get to practice it makes things
0: pretty tough it's hard to roll the balls
1: out yeah exactly
0: well, we, uh, you know, if there's a few sports going, we've already talked plenty about, you know, cross-country going. And uh, tennis, actually, boys and girls tennis for the high school level just got started. So, again, my team, we had our first match. It, it didn't go well, but, you know, we're they, young. They got to compete. They got to play. We're young. We're getting better. So, all good stuff. It's just good to be out there playing against somebody besides ourselves. So, we've do, done, done enough of that. So, mm-hmm. Anyways, not too much to cover to get into here, but uh, hopefully soon we will have plenty more to talk about local sports-wise. Hopefully, some football. Maybe get some football coaches on to talk and chat about what that looks like for them this year. Uh, we got some things in mind, so yeah, that's kind of it for right now. We're gonna get to our interview and uh, let you guys listen to the man himself, Mister Perry Wang. And again, he's a FPU former FPU Hooper. And uh it's a good talk. It's a really sniper. Yeah, he's uh it was good good to hear him talk about his story and in a short period of time how he's gone from uh from college player to coaching at the highest level. So he almost was a CPA Yeah, almost. now has won three championships. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh he's doing something right, I'll tell you that much. So it's a good listen. Stay tuned for that. We're gonna get to that right now. Again, thank you guys. Hit the retweet button, share it. Um, We're trying to grow this thing, get it off the ground a little bit. And we appreciate you guys all for listening. And uh, that's it. Here we go. All right, Jason, here we go. Episode three, we're uh, going to welcome in a guy named Perry here.
1: My, yeah, so it's one of my former teammates, uh, Perry Wang. I played with at FPU, knockdown shooter. Uh, he's actually calling us. This is our first phone in, phone yeah. call. He's actually, uh, Perry, where are you calling us from?
2: Uh, I am in the Orlando, Florida G League bubble. The, the Gubble, as Ford, G it.
1: League bubble. That is awesome. So <laughs> how, what are you doing in the bubble? How do you get into the bubble?
2: Well... You got gotta put up a hefty sum, you know. <laughs> got to put up, a, build a team of G League talent. Uh, no, I mean, you know, the NBA, NBA did a great job with this thing. Uh, you know, I, I think at one point a lot of us, a lot of us coaches, and I know a lot of friends of mine and colleagues are actually out of jobs. So I'm, we are all very lucky and grateful to be in this bubble to have a job, even if it is for you know two months. Um, they've done a great job of implementing what they had with the NBA protocols and the blueprint. And it's been seamless. Uh, it's a lot of moving parts and they've done a great job of making us feel welcomed and making us feel at home and accommodating all our needs. Uh, so I can't really complain too much.
1: Um, just, you know,
2: wish there was a couple of few more games. Um, but so far it's been a great experience.
1: So, um, you just talked about you being in the bubble. So which, which team are you coaching with and what affiliation are they? What uh, NBA affiliation are they with?
2: I coach with the Erie Bayhawks. We are affiliated with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, they, The Bayhawks have actually been around for quite a bit in the in terms of the G League circles. They've been affiliated with several different teams. I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. They've been affiliated with the, the Hawks, the Magic before, and then... Several other teams, uh, but once I think about three or four years ago when they started requiring each G League team to be owned or affiliated with just one NBA team, uh, we were we hopped on board two years ago um, and we are actually one of the all, we are the only team in this bubble who's combining teams with another NBA team, uh, the Washington Wizards. Their G League team is called the Capital City Go-Go. <laughs> and we actually <laughs> yeah, don't ask me what a go go is, but uh they are we combine teams with them, so uh, it's been a good experience just to see the another organization run things and you know obviously learn from uh high level front office personnel and assistant coaches that they brought over to, and just learning new things is always good and learning from new people, so it's been uh it's been kind of it's different for us. Uh, just because we have to have make sure, like you know, the Wizards guys are playing and then our Pelicans guys are playing, so we just have to manage all those working parts. But so far, it's been good.
0: So, if you have, uh, you guys are from two organizations. Does that mean you have twice the player pool or twice the talent? <laughs> some
2: some people will say that. You yeah. know, I think they uh, we and I, I will say we are one of the more talented teams here. Uh, the Wizards did a good job of signing their exhibit tens and we had a bunch of exhibit tens ourselves and so we've just uh, the talent level when we go to our bench is basically a starting lineup for most teams in this bubble gotcha. so you know that's been the toughest part with like the minutes you know everybody can play on our team and you know there's just sometimes there's not enough minutes going around but when you're if you're winning games it just solves a lot of problems so
1: that's yeah, been the for I was looking at your guys' roster, and I like there's some names, you know, being like, you know, being a fan of college basketball, like there's certain names that stand out guys that have won national championships, guys that have played uh, in the Final Fours, and guys who've actually played in the NBA, like guys like Jordan Bell, right? You have uh, Amari Spellman, and then right, I also saw you have uh, Cassius Winston. And just what is it like being around those type of guys, guys, especially like Amari and Jordan, who, you know, who've played in the NBA and who've gotten, you know, gotten a lot of minutes?
2: Right. For me, it's awesome. Uh, I, last year was my first year with the Bayhawks as an assistant, and we didn't have quite as much talent, to put it <laughs> gently. Um, we, you know, we had the losing record last year, and you know, it's tough. Anybody that follows the G League knows that number one thing is you got to have talent. Just with any, any, any level of basketball, any sport in general, you need some sort of talent. Um, and then the next comes the coaching part aspect of managing that talent and also putting them in the right situation to succeed, right? So for us um, it's been great because I actually started off with the Santa Cruz Warriors and we had a really talented team that year when we won the championship. So I kind of compare this team to that team. Oh wow. And the IQ level, you know, Jordan Bell obviously played with guys like Steph and Draymond Green and you know Shauldemething, Iggy. So he yeah. he credits a lot of his growth from Playing with those guys, uh, Amari Spellman played with the same organization. Although they weren't as good last year, but he still was learning uh, from those guys. And I, I will say that seeing those players and just talking with them, uh, I, I'm more I am very fond of both those guys. I work with uh, Amari Spellman. I call him O. Uh, he's he's highly intelligent individual, high IQ basketball player uh, for the for the G League. A lot of times it's not like that. You know, we, we talk about the G League being like the juco of professional basketball. Everybody's not trying to be here. Uh, everybody's trying to move on to something else. And at the same time, a lot of these guys have flaws in their game. And it's not even their game, right? Sometimes it's about their profet- professionalism or character issues, et cetera. Um, but these guys have been very impressive in that aspect. Uh, they've come in very professional. They understand. That they used to be playing at the high level, highest level, and you know, to some degree, they uh, may have taken it for granted, and now they're trying to work back and get back to where they originally were. Um, so those guys have been awesome. Cassius Wiston, another guy that's been phenomenal. I mean, I heard a lot about him, was a fan of him when he was at Michigan State, and now that to be around him, like just the way he leads the team on the floor, um, his skill level, even though he's not as athletic as say you know what you would think an NBA point guard would be like. His his IQ is a high level. Um, I think he has a chance, um, and all these guys all have a chance. It's just kind of showing out their their skill at this level. Because like I said, we have such a talented team that you only get a few minutes to show what you got, but you also have to play within the system. So you got to so show your individuality, but also be able to uh, adjust in the team setting. So all these guys have been great so
1: far. You talked about Cassius Winston, and I remember hearing a story about him, about, like, his headband, right? Like, he always wears a headband and something, like, you ever take that headband from him?
2: (laughs) No, he actually doesn't wear it outside of basketball, surprisingly, you know? I thought the same thing. Um, I I mean, he's a a really cool cat. Like, he's just he's got an old, he's got, like, an old soul to him, you know? He kind of talks slow. He's got the swag. He walks. Like, he's a... It's like an OG almost like when he talks to our team, like he just has this slow rhythm, jazz rhythm to him when he talks. So like he you can tell why people gravitate toward him, toward him, why people listen to him. And you know, the headband's is to add a bonus, you know, when you put the headband on, it's like you just know you're like an eighties player. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he's, he does it all on the court, so he's been great. I can't really say much about him, but you know, the headband's probably a piece of his game that we can't really
1: touch right now. That's awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, let's get back to the uh, G League here in a couple minutes, but uh, I want to hear, let's hear a little bit about how your your Fresno connection. You played ball at Fresno Pacific with Jason, right? I did, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> how did you, uh, how did you wind up in Fresno? Um,
2: it was a really, probably not your prototypical way of getting on a college team. Uh, I wasn't i'm from monterey california okay uh, which is about two hours by the coast from
1: uh fresno and so perry are you trying to tell uh, me you didn't have a bunch of stars next to your name <laughs> <laughs> and out of, coming out yeah, of high school like,
2: i think they were like circles or spoilers, <laughs> you know, something like that <laughs> but yeah no we uh you know i mean we did well when i was in high school we didn't really play into the state playoffs that well so like for me, I'm, I'm applying to schools, these state schools, trying to you know, go graduate and just get my degree and kind of thing, not really think about basketball, but you know, my, my high school coach at that point pushed me to kind of keep pushing going harder. Cause I was the only guy that was eligible to go to a four-year school out of our seniors that year. So, uh, um, he just made a few calls. And, uh, at that time, Clark Sheehy had got the job, um, and just made a call and said hey you want to come down and work out with a couple of our guys and you know drove down to fresno you know two hour drive and didn't know anything and never played with like high level college guys before uh so i was just walked in the gym and they had a three-on-three setting set up for us and I, i basically went against all the
1: seniors and
2: to this day, I don't really know how or why or what they saw for me, but they uh, <laughs> saw
1: that jumper was wet. That's what they saw.
2: <laughs> I mean, that was one thing that was going in, so I guess <laughs> that, that sold them on it. So I'm like, it's not really me boasting; it's just the facts. Like, I was just making shots that day, and uh, the next, I think the next morning, or maybe two days later, uh, Coach Shihai called me on the phone and just was like, "Hey, you know, you played really well for us." and you know, we'd like to actually offer you a scholarship to come play at Fresno Pacific. And I was
0: like, what? You pretty quickly went from thinking you weren't going to go ever play college basketball. to then quickly having a, a scholarship. That's pretty rad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very quick change of pace. Uh, so that's kind of how it happened. And um, you know, I don't think to this day, I tell everybody the story is that I never knew, uh, and I never knew President Pacific was, you know, quote unquote, a religious school or private school. And so all I cared about was they gave me a scholarship. Yeah. And so <laughs> when they had me do all the paperwork, I never thought twice about, you know, the questions about religion and all that stuff. And then I showed up to the first day of class, um, and had to pray for the first day. And I was <laughs> like, this is odd for college. I didn't know this is <laughs> what you do. Um, so like yeah i was just a naive 18 year old and just happy to be there i've always been happy to be around basketball if you guys know me jason knows me well and uh you know i'm just always happy to be in a gym happy to be around basketball and that's how i was at fresno so
1: and that's one thing like talking about we kind of talked about earlier is i remember like your senior year and right like everyone has like high hopes going into their senior year right like you go in like you were there four years and you've been grinding and you're like oh it's my senior year and right Sia all of a sudden brings in two all-americans right like like right. both you and i didn't get a lot of playing time let's be honest you know like we didn't like <laughs> i like to just tell people we had two all-americans in front of us though like that's like we would have played <laughs> but there's two all-americans two professional players right like so the one thing i i admire the most out of you Perry, is your work ethic right like Right, we didn't get as much opportunities, as much playing time, you know. And right, we had Marcus West, right, D1 kickback, played at Fresno State, right. Who right. six, right, Marcus is what six five, six six, right. flat out has a flamethrower, right. Then you have James Lewis, who's six three, six four, super athletic, right. Has a game like Deion Waiters had a bunch of Division one, you know, scholarships, and
3: mm-hmm.
1: right, Sai had those ambitions of trying to win a national championship, but. Like I remember right during college hour, right, we're supposed to probably be in church, but we probably weren't. But every time we go in the gym, there would be Perry in there getting up shots. And all you would hear is just whoosh, whoosh, just that net. like. And then we talked right then, it was your senior year and you took 450 units that semester. (laughs) You know, and I think that's the one thing I'd always admire is, you know, just your work ethic. And then let's talk about your senior night. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely a definitely a moment i'll never forget Um, uh, you know like all the hard work you put in kind of thing and, um i think it was more special that my parents my parents didn't get to come see me play often and obviously the fact that i wasn't playing that much i didn't want them to come anyways to waste gas to drive two hours to see me get some splinters in my butt so um <laughs> You did drink yeah, a lot no, of water, though. Was,
1: you would drink a lot of water on did. that bench.
2: We are very <laughs> hydrated. We are the most <laughs> hydrated bench crew in all of NAIA Division 1, uh, for sure. You know, Ross sweats Ross, enough for the both of us. That's to, true. So. Um, no, it was good. I mean, we, I started, and I think I hit, like, the first three, and it was wide open, and everybody went crazy, and like, we, and then, you know, five minutes later, I get dubbed out, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was good. I, I, it was a great experience. I think it was just the
1: culmination of everything. The, you the hit more than one though, yet. didn't you? Uh, maybe two. I was, I was gonna say I two. felt like you like like in the first like couple minutes or like first minute or two. Like I remember you just going bang bang, just like I thought you hit at least a couple.
2: I just remember the first one so vividly because I was wide open and Marcus passed it to me, and it was I on the right side. Right times? Yeah, it was a right side, and Marcus yeah. passed it to me. It was a baseline drive. And he passed it to me. And as, as soon as he passed it, he was like, oh, oh, P, I know that's going in. I ain't gonna look. <laughs> like, that's all I just remember about that. So I remember having like the extreme confidence that, like, you know, Marcus West passed this ball and, you know, was excited for me to shoot this. So I was like, I couldn't let him down at that point. That's a thing. good thing about um, Marcus.
1: Marcus always loved us shooters, right? He'd always find us. Now, James, yeah, yeah. that ball's probably not getting, he's probably not finding you. Probably, let's be honest. <laughs> Nope, probably not. (laughs) Probably not finding
2: us. No, pounding the pill a little too much.
1: Okay, so right, so you talk about basketball FPU, right? I just kind of talked about how you took. I think right, you talking right? You took what twenty two? You said twenty two units. I think that's what we were talking before, right? You said twenty two units that semester. So what was your degree in?
2: Uh, My degree was just business, but the reason I took twenty two is because you know I did a little too much you know extracurricular activities my first semester of my freshman year so okay. uh brought my gpa down a little bit and kind of put myself in a bad spot going in my senior year but so i just kind of basically had to do what i had to do to to graduate in four years you know i don't want to be that fifth year senior kind of you know doing going to college parties and not really playing basketball or anything like that so i don't want to be that guy that got held back quote-unquote kind of thing in my eyes um so yeah the the academic redshirt the academic redshirt redshirt. (laughs) with
1: no eligibility left (laughs) so you also had so right you had two of your roommates right one of them went also played professionally for a little bit for a year Mm -hmm was an all-American. I think he's the all-time lead scorer at FPU, right? Mm -hmm. And Todd. And then your other roommate was the athletic director who just stepped down and resigned. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about your roommates.
2: Amazing guys. I couldn't have asked for better roommates. Both of them were always caring, always looking after me, after looking out for me. Um, I think, you know, to this day, their gifts, their graduation gifts to me uh, met the world, just the notes that they gave him to me, and uh, I still have them. Um, you know, I think obviously, every anybody that knows Hendo knows he has that servant lead, leadership uh, attitude. and and that's why he's always thought about everyone else besides himself. Uh, he's just relentless in that aspect. And you know Todd, everybody knows Todd's the same way, and you know they both were leaders to to be honest you know like Todd was one of the leaders on our team mm-hmm. you know he was kind of just steady with his emotion and you know I think everybody gravitated toward his personality and his uh, character and um, his charisma and you know Humboldt was Humbo was there because and everyone loved him because he was going to drop anything you know 2am a. phone call he'll be there at your door kind of thing um, so I think those those little characteristics taught me a lot and helped me be the person I am today because I was around those guys a lot. And just seeing how they carry themselves and now seeing how they carry themselves as husbands and fathers uh, is, you know, even yourself, you know, how the way you you carry yourself. Like everybody that was there at that point uh, has had a profound impact on my life, um, which I'm very thankful for.
1: I wish we can just go back because we used to, I used to, I remember myself and Hurtado, we'd always hang out right in between classes or right before practice started, right? We'd always, it seemed like we had like a two hour break from class till practice started and we'd always hang out in your guys' dorm room and stuff, your apartment dorm room. And I remember we'd always try to get you to like do stuff, hang out and Perry would always be like, I got, I got, I got to study or I got to test. or I got homework and yeah. It's for what, Perry? I told you, man. You Should have hung out with us. <laughs> Should have hung out with us. Oh, I know, man.
2: A few few too many accounting tests that I had to take. You
1: know what I mean? Definitely,
2: definitely took up my time.
0: Okay, so you play your play college ball at Fresno Pacific, and then do you know the whole time that you want to get in, you're, you're, you're you're you know thinking about getting into coaching, or how does that happen?
2: Actually, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, like Jason said, I was stubborn, didn't want to have fun, wanted to be a hermit and just study for the rest of my life. And so I kept that streak going as soon as I graduated, I tried to start um, getting my CPA exam. And, uh, you know, I, as a gym rat, I couldn't get away from basketball. You know, I, my side job to just pay the bills was to work at a rec center and uh, just basically <laughs> play basketball on my breaks or whenever i got work and uh, then soon enough i started helping out my buddy coaching uh the freshman team at a local high school um and then you know when you're at home studying for tests you find yourself googling youtube videos of you know i don't know crossovers or mj or i don't know anything basketball related kind of thing so you kind of have that itch and you and that at that point it was just me just wanting to be around basketball it wasn't anything like i gotta coach i gotta I have this itch to coach it was anything like that and uh to me like what i even what i do right now i don't feel like it's necessarily coaching it's just you know i just like to be around basketball that's honestly that's i just love the game so much and so at that point like, i i i Coached freshman basketball, then I coached JV basketball, and then uh, our Jason and I's uh, college coach, Jim Siah, he got the job at Cal State San Marcos, and he called me and offered me a, an assistant spot down there. So then I got into a little higher level, um but like I didn't really, I never really thought about coaching. I just, I guess I just gravitated just something around basketball. Or at least I thought I was just gonna have that nine to five job and grind it out but then i'd be like you know the the dad that has the high school practice at night kind of thing and get to dress up in the polo and the slacks every (laughs) weekend or something like that so that's what i thought my life was destined for i definitely would have never imagined making it this far
0: jason's living that life for you right now oh i am i am (laughs) i am how it feel? <laughs> <laughs> I would rather be in your shoes
1: sometimes. <laughs> um, okay, so you're at San Marcos. You're coaching with Saya, si, right? And then, right? You, how many years were? you? Is it two years?
2: No, I was only there for one year. Okay, and then I you,
1: went back. You went back to Monterey, correct? Yep. Yep. And is that when you joined the you joined the Monterey Peninsula College staff? Or
2: yeah, yeah. So uh, as soon as my my. My mom had some health problems, so I had to come back to Monterey, and so I just needed to figure out a way to kind of, I guess, stay relevant. And so I, I uh, got on staff with them. Was basically the only assistant there the whole time, but uh, got thrown in the fire because, like, I learned a lot, and I was basically the only assistant ever ever showed up <laughs> to practice. And, <laughs> that JUCO uh, life. JUCO life is awesome. You learn <laughs> a lot. You learn a lot about yourself. Learn a lot about you know kids and the tendencies and you start to feel old about yourself cause you can't relate to those kids <laughs> anymore. Um, but no, it was good. It was great. And, uh, I think I spent three years at MPC and, you know, I had built some good relationships there too as well.
1: Okay. So you're at Monterey, right? How do you, like, I know then this is around the time, right? You somehow get plugged in with the Santa Cruz warriors, right?
3: <clears throat> yeah.
1: Yeah. So
2: I, I guess at that point, when I finally got to Monterey, like I was starting to get more immersed in this, you know, quote unquote, basketball industry. And so, you know, summertime you're working camps, you're going to UCLA, you're going to Stanford, you're trying to get on as many camps as you can. You're working Kobe Bryant camps, you're working MJ camps, you're working, you know, everything out there. Right. So like, you're just trying to basically network in a sense, but you're, also I remember we basketball.
1: exchanging emails with the Kobe and MJ camp i was like air here's the information for michael jordan camp you didn't get this from me you're like here's the information from kobe camp let's see what we can do (laughs) yeah yeah
2: but i never got never get to the mj one but i wasn't high up there i
1: apologize i wasn't high enough Oh, you're good (laughs) i I wasn't high enough for the kobe camp apologize for that but yeah no it was it was at that
2: point where i was like i was just kind of just throwing stuff at the wall see what stuck and i really I, to be honest, I, I was clueless. I was absolutely clueless of this industry, how it works. I would definitely do it hundred percent different if I went back. Um, but you know, I started working warriors camps and at that time, obviously the warriors were good. I was around 13, 14, I think 13, 14, 14, 15. And then, uh, I got connected because we went into the camp in Santa Cruz that was sponsored by Golden State and their head coach Casey Hill was the guest speaker that day. And at uh, I think that was like a week after I had been at Stanford camp and I learned like the video software and I was like, Oh, okay. So now I guess the next way to get onto a college staff is to learn video. So, uh, I essentially lied to the Santa Cruz coach and said that I knew how to do all the video. <laughs> and so
0: thank you till you make it, actually,
2: right? Thank it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I was like, I'm just going to kind of, kind of fabricate some things and just try to get on and I'll just figure it out as I go or read some manuals. Um, And luckily I did, but yeah, that's how it worked. I just talked to him and he was like, Hey, we need some help. And yeah, well, we'd be glad, uh, glad to have you tag along and help us out. And, you know, did I know that I'd get a ton more responsibilities than I thought, learn a ton, meet some great people and win a championship. And yeah, it's pretty wild. on
1: on that championship team is that the year like they had like seth curry and then michael thompson is that the year they had those guys on the team like the brothers of the splash brothers or was that a different time
2: that was a year before so actually michael thompson was on the championship team but seth curry had already been
1: uh on a different team okay so what is there any guys that are now in the nba that were on that that uh the Santa Cruz Warriors when you guys won the championship.
2: No, not anymore. There should have been. Um that year it was Aaron craft Elliot Williams, James Michael McAdoo, Oznan Kuzmich, and Taylor Griffin, I believe, was the uh, four man. Okay. Um, but yeah, none of those guys. I mean Elliot Williams probably had the best chance. He was a kid from
1: Duke. Yeah. But he went to Memphis just had st- Went to Memphis and uh, had some injuries. Transferred from Duke to Memphis, I remember. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Kraft. I just got to watch him in the TBT. I'm actually excited. They said just a couple other day, the other day, they just said he might be making a comeback to the TBT tournament.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Taking a break from studying to be a doctor? Yeah, Yeah, I was like,
1: oh, that's always, I always enjoy watching Aaron Kraft on the ball. High level. He's a great person, great basketball player.
0: Now I want to go back real quick. You, uh, you mentioned how almost like you, you know, you don't feel like you work. You're just a gym rat. You love being in the gym. Uh, I feel like I think a lot of people feel that way, but you've been able to, you know, not only just feel that way, but actually trans- translate that into some success and getting some some high level coaching jobs. That's uh, I kind of feel like you're, you know, you're a little bit living the dream there, right? Uh. Who you got to tell man
2: <laughs> i tell to, I say that to myself every single day you know i think i've been super blessed uh, i don't take any of this for granted um, at all you know i think this is beyond my wildest imagination just because you know like i was talking to one of our assistants the other day you know like i walked into our meeting room and you know it's funny when you're younger and you look at these guys like you see these guys on tv like i already been they may not be the big names, but it's like you still walk in, it's like, oh, it's Jordan Bell, or it's oh, it's Amari Spellman. Like these guys were in the league last year. And it's like now it's not even the starstruck moment. Now it's like, oh, I get to work with high level players now. It's like I get to be around these guys and, you know, teach them, try to develop them, help them get back to where they want to be. And um at the same time I get to do it the way that I've always done things, which is being a gym. And so um, yeah, I it's amazing to to be able to do this at such a high level and uh have actual success out of it you know because some people it might just be a couple year bid and you know it's over but like for me i'm hopefully gonna hopefully trying to turn this into a, a prolonged career um but yeah it's been incredibly incredibly grateful experience
0: that's awesome. Now, you uh so your your newfound video skills, did that help you in your your next transition into the WNBA? It did. It did. I was uh so I
2: actually spent like a year and a half out of basically the industry if you want to say. Uh, I was just trying to get back into it. So in that meantime, I was doing a lot of stuff like video Advanced scouting work for a lot of European teams and some Chinese teams and Japanese teams, um, and then just got a lot of experience doing that, and then kind of built up a little portfolio. And uh, just had a connection with the Seattle Storm; they were changing coaches and kind of in transition, and so uh, interviewed with them to be their video coordinator, and you know got the job on, a couple Perry. weeks before the
3: season.
1: Hold on. Okay, so during that time, is that the time when you were taking teams, like, to, like, overseas to play? Yeah, that was... Because I remember you I was... calling me, asking me if there's any, like, Fresno guys that are good enough to play, like, the <laughs> international. I'm not going to name any names, but I was like, I was like, these are the only guys I got, like, who've played, like, high, like, played Division one basketball, and you're like, yeah, they won't make my team. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really... Yeah, those that was uh, it was kind of
2: crazy. Those those teams are wild because um, you know if anybody knows anything about China and the way they pr- perceive basketball, it's that like uh, they just they don't really know players per se. I mean, they just kind of they just love basketball. So like if you just bring a team over that just says USA on the front of the jerseys, they think you guys like they think everybody plays in the NBA kind of thing. Mm-hmm. um so you know we bring them over there bring a group of uh either a couple college seniors sprinkled into there or a couple guys that have actually had pro experience bring them over there slap the usa across their chest and, you know we pack the house because it, you know the actual team usa is there kind of thing i'm gonna have to uh, go buy some so, go
1: to nike store buy some usa gear go to china play some pickup <laughs> basketball maybe i can get a yeah, contract no. or at least some endorsements or something it. or at least a free meal
2: I guarantee you won't take less than a hundred selfies. I'll tell you what, so,
1: <laughs> Jason LaFore, I mean,
2: member of the dream team. If you're, if you're me and you look like me, cause I'm Chinese, <laughs> then you won't get any, you won't get any selfies at all. No one will care. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a great experience. Yeah, I mean, they were, they did a great job of, uh, everything over there and having us in these great hotels. And they did like, uh, yeah, it was just it was it was, a, it was a weird experience because you know they treat you better than you think you should be treated. <laughs> if That's that awesome. makes any sense, it's like, well, I mean, we're staying at a five-star hotel and we're having these great meals, and then they're putting us in these press conferences. But like, I'm I'm nobody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really matter. So That's it was awesome. like it, it was it was good. It was good though. Overall, it was good.
0: So you uh, you you do that you have that stint right there. Then you go you get into the WNBA. You said there was a coaching change, and that kind of op- opened up an opportunity for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Dan Hughes, who's the current coach now, he he got the job, and you know you guys know Coach Hughes' background. You know he's been with the San Antonio Stars for the longest time, the now defunct San Antonio Stars, but he's been very successful in women's basketball. And, um he, you know, interviewed with him and uh, had kind of took off from there. And uh, I, I'm very grateful that he gave me the chance for sure, cause it was that team was very, very good. I mean, that's the same team that we won with this year, but um so 2018, I got that job, went in there and kind of the same thing we were talking about before about being around high level players. Now, the first thing I had to do when I got up there was actually work team USA basketball with for the women's side because they're doing like a pre-qualifier mini camp against team china um and we were like i don't know we were just kind of running some gym stuff for them and just being around in case they needed us uh but you know first day i walk in and you know diana trossi walks through the door and you know Sue Bird walks through the door brianna stewart and maya moore and skylar diggins and Brittany Griner. it's like wow like you know, you kind of like living in a movie kind of thing. So it was very neat to experience that and just be around. Even the coaches, you know, Don Staley was there, Cheryl Reeves, you know, all big names in the women's basketball game. So it was it was really cool to experience that right off the bat.
0: Now, now, how was that transition? You've, you, I assume, you've coached men, all men, up to this point. So what was it like switching over and coaching women?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I I think everybody has asked me that and i honestly don't think there was any difference to do if anything it was better um because i think people ask that with the intention of me saying like oh you know maybe maybe to some aspect like women are emotional or something or maybe it's just different that men or whatever it is they're expecting a certain answer from me and i just say that like women are really Uh, focused on attention to detail even more than men because they have to. You know, they're, you know, they're they're just not as athletic in their ability. So they have to be more cerebral and they have to know the scarring report. They have to be great with their fundamentals, their skill. Um, So I think that's the other side of it is just they think the game at another level because they have to. And that's the, that's what I would say the difference is in that. Like the competitiveness is the same the fire is the same. The passion for the game is the same. You know, I to be honest, like, I respect women's players maybe more than men's players because uh, they don't get paid as much. First of all, and second of all, they though, the most WNBA players they have to play almost 11 months out of the year. You know, right, they, they play go play overseas, season. right? Yeah, they in a normal season. You know, we start training camp. You know, or I want to say late April early may but some of our girls aren't getting back you know until like a week in the training camp from the euro league you know because they've been playing over there and then well, for us if we're making to the finals then you're going into september as soon as we're done in september or, or late september then they get maybe five days off and they got to go fulfill their euro league contract and they got to fly out so yeah it's a grind for them and you know some people's bodies breaks down so I understand they make more money overseas than they do in the WNBA and it's a it's a grind for them so it, it's a lot of respect for for WNBA players
1: so you talked about there's two women that you had like you coach for Seattle and Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart who right like Brianna Stewart, she's probably equivalent, right, to Kevin Durant in the NBA. If you haven't seen WNBA, right? Would you? Would you? Would that be a fair comparison? It's a good comparison, and I, I, I've, I actually even
2: think like more AD, Anthony Davis. Oh, uh, okay. At this point now. Yeah, but it's like it's a combination. It's a combination both. But just because she does shoot it like KD, but she also she has post moves like she can <laughs> she can roast people in the post so.
1: and then like Not i would katie can't <laughs> no yeah and then like i feel like sue bird like she like i i i almost don't want to I, f- I feel like this is like i don't want to diss her but I, I i feel like a lot of like like her games like chris paul and i don't want to like feel like that's like a disrespectful thing either because sue bird is she's a,
0: she's a legend yeah
1: <laughs> like you know like she, you can she might be on the mount rushmore of the greatest women basketball players of all time
2: Definitely, I actually compare her more to John Stockton the way she manages okay. the game. Um, okay. But yeah, no, like you're right in that aspect. Like she she doesn't really take mid ranges like that. You know, like Chris yeah. Paul likes to take that little snake drive, snake dribble yeah. mid range pull up. Like she she's like three or a layup. Like I'll take a midi if it's like four seconds in the clock. <laughs> like for the most part, she's she's taking like threes or uh, you know spot up threes and taking to the lane, but. No, she, she's been great. Like she, it's, it's amazing what she's done with the career. Obviously anybody that's followed her knows that she's been wildly successful and doing it at a high level with her age, which nobody talks about because she gets very offended when you, <laughs> I'm kidding about that, but she, she really, she really does. She, she hates it, but she loves it. She loves that. She's able to play at this age, but she also hates it when people are like, Hey Sue, you're 40. She's like, please don't remind me of that. <laughs>
0: is she still playing overseas in the off season too?
2: She stopped playing a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just to preserve her body a little yeah. bit more.
1: Um, so you're, you're with Seattle, right? You win like you've, well, we'll kind of talk about like you win, you win your first championship. Talk about that winning your first WNBA title.
2: Yeah. I, I laugh at that because the one thing when I got, like I walked in the office my first day and, our uh, assistant GM, her name is Talisa, she she had our calendar made up for the whole year and she was like I was kind of just slipping through it and I was like, Man, that all star breaks long, you know, like uh I hope we uh you know will I be able to like go home kind of thing, whatever. And we we're just like just kind of chopping it up. And it's like, man, that would suck if we like had to go and coach that thing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and little did we know we had the best record at all-star break and then we didn't end up having all-star break. We had the fly to Minnesota that that season to, you know, coach the team or help coach the team. Um so like those little it was a whirlwind season for sure because uh I just had never been around like I was part of the championship in Santa Cruz, but like I feel like the WNBA one was to a much higher scale. The the Attention to detail was much higher. The gravity was much higher. You know, just being around those type of players, the the sense of urgency to you know complete the quest of a championship was you know second to none. And so uh, you were just locked in. Like once the team realized we were that good, that we did have a chance to to win it. Like when when playoffs came, I mean that was another level. I mean I've never, I will probably won't experience that unless I get to work with the NBA playoff team at some point but like that was second to none. preparation just the way they were doing things was amazing so uh yeah it was it's still all that stuff still feels surreal it was awesome like we we won in we won in three i think i want to say or no two i think three and we won it on their home court in washington so we just we celebrated there and uh, yeah it was an awesome feeling
1: getting that championship So you win that championship, right? And then, obviously, Bronna Stewart gets hurt, right? So that kind of changes your opportunity to repeat, would you say? Right? That's that's a huge piece.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and her and Sue. Sue actually got hurt uh, or had surgery before the season in 2019. So we ended up having just a completely different starting lineup, which didn't help.
1: And so right then, obviously, obvious, obviously, COVID hits, right? Nobody kind of expects that. And right, you guys, WNBA creates a bubble, which you're now probably becoming a bubble veteran. <laughs> but, um, so talk about, like, just talk about that. Like, what was it like? Because I know that team, right? That team with the mindset of, I like, Sue Bird's healthy, Brianna Stewart's healthy. We've won it when we've won it before. This is our mindset now. This is our opportunity to repeat our championship, right? Like I have to imagine that was a mindset with that with your guys's team.
2: Yeah, yeah, we I mean, we took a look up and down all the rosters in the league this season, and we we're like, hey, this this team, this team are good. Like we're gonna have maybe some challenges here and there, but you know, we're our goal is to just be healthy when playoffs come, be locked in when playoffs come. Uh, we just need to get through the regular season and just you know, try to get the one or two seed and just be completely locked in all the way. Um, And, you know, we had a few few bumps along the road, you know, like Stewie had a little, we thought she re-aggravated her Achilles at one point, which she did. And we were like, oh, crap, like is she done for the season kind of thing. And then like Sue had a, a pretty scary fall where she landed on her knee. And so we were like, oh God, we just lost, you know, Hall of Fame point guard for the rest of the season. And then that was right before playoffs. So we had a lot of scares. <laughs> Definitely was not an easy road to get there. Uh, but I think for all the players, you know, they we were returning the same starting lineup that we won uh, in 2018. And I think the theme was basically redemption. You know, we didn't get our chance to defend it. We wanted to show the league and everybody out there that, you know, when we're full of strength, nobody could stop us and that pretty much held true when we were full strength nobody could stop us this year and uh eventually people caved and the teams like las vegas that they thought were you know our kryptonite per se like you know (laughs) as you can see we swept them so it was uh it was really it was good to see and good to have those players be able to uh, kind of gain that back even though even if it wasn't like a quote unquote back-to-back championship for us it kind of felt that way just because you know we didn't have a full team last year
0: so you've been out of college for what eight nine years at this point ten years you've been coaching oh. and you already have a g-league championship <laughs> and two WNBA titles on, under your belts um <laughs> kind of thinking that perry perry might be the secret sauce here I'm just saying, Santa
1: Cruz hadn't won anything before you got there. (laughs) Seattle hadn't won anything before you got there. I'm just throwing that out there. Don't
2: let Don't let everybody know the secret. (laughs) Don't let them
1: know. (laughs) Okay, so now
2: I've been blessed, man. I've been
1: blessed. And so, okay, so now, right? So, so is this kind of how it goes for you? Is this how the season goes? Do you go from coaching the WNBA, and then right when WNBA is over, then you go join? like your, your G League, go coach with the G League team. Is that kind of how that's been going for you, this, I guess, these last two years? or
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's been like that's so why I started. After the 2018 season, I actually worked with the Phoenix Suns, the G League team. So I went directly from Seattle to Phoenix, the Suns training camp. And after that season, then went back directly to Seattle. From Seattle, went to New Orleans for the new job, and then if everything would have held true, it would have been the same thing when it went from Erie back to Seattle and then Seattle back to New Orleans and Erie again.
1: So, right, so the WNBA was in the bubble, right? They were in Orlando as well, correct? Correct. You're in Orlando now? Or No,
2: they were in Bradenton. Sorry, they were Oh,
1: Bray- is that okay. How far is that from Orlando, right? Is that
2: – About two, three hours. Oh, okay, that hours. is that.
1: Okay. I was going to ask if you had the same hotel room, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> No, so what's, what okay so what are the comparisons between the WNBA bubble and like the g-league bubble
3: uh there's there's some
2: give take here i think the number one thing for me you know being a gym rat like i don't you know, get access quite the same that we did uh at img which is where we had the WNBA bubble like there we had access to all the facilities by the way anybody has a hundred thousand dollars to spare like Send your kid to IMG basketball. Like, it's worth if you have $100,000 playing around. Okay, um, I might like, send my
1: kids there. I'll think about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, a, it's an awesome place. The facilities are top notch. You know, NFL players train there. I think when we were there, uh, John Morant was there training. Um, so a lot of big names use those facilities to work out. Um, I think that's the positive side. For the WNBA bubble. The, the good side about the, the G League bubble is, you know, they just basically used a lot of the stuff, a lot of the same parameters of uh, the NBA bubble. So, you know, we get a little bit of the same treatment as the NBA in terms of the amenities and stuff like that. We just didn't have quite the same amenities for the WNBA. Like here, you know, the food is a little a little more upscale, I would say, uh, a little more variety. Um, and then, you know, just, the space and the, you know, the goodie bags or all the stuff that they give us or like the special nights that they've held for us, kind of the events, the themes that they have are are different, but outside of that, like the basketball is the same. All that, all that stuff is the same.
1: What about like, okay, so significant others. I know like in the NBA, they were able to bring significant others. Like in the WNBA, were you able to bring your significant other or in the G League bubble, are you able to bring your significant other or how does that work?
2: For the WMA bubble, you could definitely. You just have to pay out of your own pocket. Uh, like For us, like Sue Bird, anybody that knows that relationship, mm-hmm. she's uh, now engaged to Megan Rapinoe. Uh, so Megan was actually with us the whole time. <laughs> Megan was just hanging out of practice sometimes, working out because she was also getting ready for uh, the Olympics. Can she well. hope? She surprisingly has a smooth jump shot. I shouldn't say surprisingly because she's very athletic. Yeah. People don't know that about Megan. She's a very athletic individual.
1: Well, I've seen her and, play soccer. Uh,
2: <laughs> yes, uh, she does everything. Like she was playing everything. She was playing tennis. She was swimming. She was lifting weights. She was running like she was doing everything there.
1: How's Sue Bird's uh, soccer skills? And that's, that's probably the real question. How are her soccer skills?
2: I would say Megan's basketball skills are better than her soccer
1: skills. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
2: Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no. You, for us, this bubble is shorter for the G League, so I don't think it was really possible to bring significant others, or it wouldn't be really worth it. I guess.
0: Okay. So you're down there in uh at Disney right now for the G League bubble. And yep. uh, another Fresno connection. Uh, Jalen Green's down there playing for G League Ignite, and you guys just played mm-hmm. them. So let's. Uh, I'm I'm curious to hear a firsthand impression on Jalen Green right now.
2: Jalen's talented kid. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think the the Ignite game was actually my scout, and so I
1: watched all. The let's of- go, P. Let's go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> appreciate it uh so <laughs> I, i've been watching his film i was watching him live all, pretty much every single game and even some of his games pre-bubble when they were scrimmaging against uh g-league bets um so to me i actually kind of compared him to tyler hero like his potential is like a tyler hero type now i'm not a front office guy this is just me just Based on my own yeah. opinion. This is not the New Orleans Pelicans. This is not the Erie BayHawks. This is my own opinion. Like I could see him being that secondary pick and roll guy. He's uber athletic. Um, he probably needs to put on some weight uh, just on his top side, but he, he made some moves and he's made some moves already that I'm like, wow, like he could, he could definitely do that in the league and nobody can stop him. Um, I think, uh, defensively is probably where his growth needs to take a big step because sometimes just like any young kid you know the disinterest of playing defense uh, kind of overshadows the offensive side and so sometimes you know off the ball he just either just loses focus or loses his man kind of thing and on the ball i think he's pretty engaged for the most part he just gambles a little bit but I think the kid is very talented. I think he has a chance to be uh, a 10, 15 year vet if he, you know, locks in and owns in on what can make him be really good.
0: Yeah, that's pretty high praise. I mean, we've 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 been watching him here at the high school level for years and there obviously at that level there was nobody had anything for him. It was Jason tells a story actually of trying to make him shoot threes and he So Perry when he was a sophomore and I was coaching at cannon,
1: Mm-hmm. we're like, we're going to force him left and make him a jump shooter, make him shoot threes. He hits, <laughs> I think, I, no joke, I think he hits six in the first quarter. And, <laughs> oh, it was, wow. and I was just like, well, it's going to be a long day, so I'm just going to sit down, go yeah. get a glass of water, and just enjoy the highlights. <laughs> think think we're done here.
2: I know. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do at that point, right? Can't do much else. You can go boxing one, but it'll probably dice that up too.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't matter what he was jumping over us, jumping around us. Just go by us left, go by us right. Yeah, it was, it was not pretty. Um, so you talked about this being your scout. Is there anything particular that made you like, all right, cause you guys won like by 40, and out of all the G League games, this is by far Jalen's worst game. So is there something, like, is there, what like, what made you, or, you know, like, what would you guys do to, you know, make it tough on them, make it hard on them?
2: So for me, watching the game so far with them, I feel like number one was that teams disrespected them in, in the sense that, you know, they thought these are high school kids, blah, 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 you know, we can punk them. And the way to punk them is to like get get my own like oh Jonathan Kaminga's on me, Jenning Green's on me. I'm just gonna go one on one. I'm gonna go score on this dude. When reality is, scouts in the stands don't give two two cents about that. Right? You it's a, it's, I mean? it's like, still a team sport. Yeah, it's a team sport, and then they care about like if you wanna first of all if you're gonna get an NBA call up, you got to be able to guard your position. And you got to be able to guard multiple positions if you're like one of those high level guys. Anyways, so. To be able to lock one of those guys down was the key more than anything else. And so that's the number one thing I put on the scouting report is just like respect these guys. Literally just respect them and you'll probably win by 10 just at the minimum if you respect them. And then the second thing was just transition, right? These kids are, are different in the G League aspect because they have NBA athleticism. And anybody that has seen a G League game versus an NBA game, you can tell the difference between a guy that runs like a deer Like those guys versus you know just a regular guy in the G League, like there is a big difference. Those guys, if you're not getting out of the corners in transition, you're done. There's no way you're getting back. Like Jonathan Kaminga has long strides and he has quick first step. Jalen Green has does the same thing. Like in a foot race, you're losing that if you're just if you start off neck and neck with them. Uh, So those two things were big, and then obviously individual scouting report, just knowing what their weaknesses was. And you already stated it, Shannon Green just needs to work on his offhand a little bit more. Um, and he probably needs to be a little more consistent with his shooting. But those are the the, the big things, was just keeping him out of transition, not letting him get, like, fast for dunks, lobs, and then just forcing him into any left-hand decision-making uh, scenarios. And, you know, I think those two things kind of helped overall. And I think it was just the first time that team had been Hit with adversity being down so early. And so I just don't think they had the chance to
1: bounce back. I do appreciate you telling me I had a right scouting report when he was a sophomore. <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> I was on the right page. I do appreciate that. You, so like, uh, right. You talk about like the G league, right. You talk about scouts and a lot of those guys, right. Like it's not about scoring, right. Cause a lot of these guys are trying to make rosters and at the end of the day, right, you, right, we're just talking about the Northern's Pelicans, right? You already, you have scores. You have Brandon Ingram on that team, right? You have Zion Williamson, right? Like, you have guys who can flat out fill it up. You're not going, they're they're not bringing you on the team to have you score 20 points, right? They're bringing you on the team to be a lockdown defender, do all the, right, all the dirty stuff, right? All the hustle plays. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. It it is a theme that we have, hammered home with our players this year, especially with how talented we are. You know, there's teams in this bubble that are, could arguably be more talented than us, but um, they may have not instilled that type of philosophy of playing in selfish, playing defense, showing that, you know, you can play within the team aspect. You don't have to have the ball in your hands to score or affect the game kind of thing. So we had multiple film sessions before the bubble started, even during quarantine. Uh, We had presentations. uh, We had, you know, stats about. I don't know if you guys know what Second Spectrum is, but it basically keeps these odd stats of things like how many (laughs) weird things like how many miles a player runs in a game, or like how many how many seconds the ball touches a player's hands in a game overall. So just to give you an idea, like Russell Westbrook, who everybody thinks has the ball in his hands, which he does a lot he plays over 30 minutes a game but he realistically only has the ball in his hands seven minutes a game so if you take that into account like these guys if they get a call up they're virtually going to have the ball in their hands like 30 seconds for the whatever amount of time they're on the floor so how are you effective within those few seconds so that means you got to be able to play defense like you say got to rebound do all little things so we had all these presentations with them and then we also had you know the Tommy Shepard of the Wizards call in, you know, tell these guys, hey, this is what we're looking for. You know, it's very simple. Like, just be high character, be a culture person, you know, know the scout, know everything. Just if we don't have to babysit you, you're already at the top of the list kind of thing. Um, So those those are the things that we've instilled in these guys just to let them know that Scouts really don't care about your scoring. We don't care about your step-back jumper. We don't care about your crossover into a pull-up three or whatever. It's about how can you sit down and lock up your man, your, your and then also, can you understand schemes? Can you make adjustments in a game? All those little things count towards the end of the day for these players. And it's very hard because they're all young, right? And so they're trying to make it to the big leagues, and a lot of them get in their own ways. We're just trying to give them the blueprint, but a lot of them just get in their own ways. And this team's done a good job of not getting in their own way so far.
0: That's a pretty good lesson, I think, for kids of all ages, going all the way down to to high school, junior high. You know, um, just be the guy that does the little things, and don't be the one that the coach has to babysit. Thousand
2: percent
3: correct. Yeah, it's
2: it's amazing. As high the higher you go, you just the coddling of players is it just amazes me sometimes. So.
1: But right. Even talking about like you talked about, like, I think that transfers to like high school in college. Right. You see a lot of high school kids. Their whole mentality is I want to get a scholarship. I got to go. I got to score 20, 25 points a game or I got to score 30 points. Right. And it's it's the same thing. Right. You've coached in college. Right. We played we both played in college and it's nothing like that. It's right. Like you want to get a scholarship. It's can you you know, are you a five tool player? Can you defend? Yeah. Can you rebound? Can you pass? Right. Like your basketball IQ. And I, I think a lot of kids don't understand that. It's just like, Oh, I scored 30 points. Right. They're putting on social media. I scored 30 points. All right. But all right, great. But the guy you guarded scored 32, you know, like, so. Right. Yeah. No, for me, it's, I'm, I guess you can take my college career as a prime
2: example, you know, like you said, I can, I can kick your ass in the. Shooting competition. I don't know if I can say ass on this podcast, but you're
3: you're uh, fine.
2: (laughs) 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 But like, I can't defend my own shadow. You know what I mean? I might give you ten points off the bench, but I'm going to give up thirty. So I, I have no, (laughs) no gripes about me not playing in games in my career as many games as I wanted to because I knew I didn't defend at a high level. And it definitely, definitely is a lesson for like all kids. Like the humility part is very hard when you're young to realize like, yeah, I need to do this to like, you know, whatever, but when you're seeing all, all these other kids, quote unquote, you know, getting scholars because of their
3: high school kind of thing. So.
0: Well, you, you may not have played a lot of minutes, but I'm going to guess that you were a pretty, pretty good study of coach Saya and his coaching tendencies and the way he did things just because you've been pretty successful. Yeah. Are
1: you very similar to a coaching styles as coach Saya is Perry? I'm gonna say no comment. on that. <laughs> 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 um,
2: I mean, everybody know. Every, I mean, I love Coach Sa. Si. Yeah, he's quirky, and you know he he helped reinforce in my career. Like there were times that I wanted to quit when he took the job because uh, you know, like whatever you want to say, I, I worked my butt off, and I thought I maybe sometimes should have played more. Or I thought I should have gotten a chance, or maybe I just there was a time when I wanted to quit because like. I just think I didn't think I was good enough and I don't want to take up a roster spot kind of thing. And to his credit, you know, being a coach, he took, sat me down and said, Hey, like you've come this far. Why are you, why would you quit now? Like finish this out, finish strong kind of thing. So uh, I do, I am very lucky that he had that conversation with me because I, I'm pretty sure I was pretty close to quitting at some point. My, uh, those two years there.
1: No, and I like, like we talk about coach Sai and, but we can both agree, right? Like amazing basketball mind. Yes. You know, like that's the one thing like I playing for coach side, I've learned, you know, like I've learned a lot of things and just different tendencies and right. Like I imagine there's things that you probably still use things that right during film, he would point out that maybe, right. We, I, you know, I don't think before playing with playing for him, I would have never noticed or even seen those things, but now I'm a better coach because there's things that he would point out to us in film Right, that now you're like, oh, like those are things you're paying attention to.
2: Right, definitely. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was a great offensive mind, and I think he just understood. He was the way he coached offense is kind of the way like his offense was fit for today's offense. Because like we shot a ton of threes yeah. <laughs> when we were, we were Fresno Pacific. Like that's what he wanted. He wanted we were running kind of like a hybrid, dance Wahlberg drive kick pass kind of thing, the motion, mm-hmm. and so. Like, I think he, he was already on to something then. Um, but, you know, coaching at a NAIA school won't get you on a social media kind of thing. No. Uh, so, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so after here next month or two, you win another G League title. What's... Uh, <laughs> Number four. <laughs> like <laughs> I told
1: you, go Tyler LeBron. I text that to you too. Go Tyler Braun.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what's next after that? You heading back to the Seattle Storm?
2: uh so far we'll see i'm not, i haven't really heard from them yet but
1: you know i want I just to just want a championship with them how are they not going to renew that contract
2: <laughs> we'll see I, I think it's more has to do with they don't know what the season's going to look like okay. more than anything you know what i mean it's just
3: it is uh, one of those
2: years yeah the vaccines it's one of those you know once in a hundred years kind of thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> one uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I If everything goes well, I would assume, like, within a month, I'll be starting up in the WNBA if all if everything goes according to plan. But, you know, like, like you guys just said, I think we're focused on, or at least I'm focused on trying to do the best we can. We're focused on just Memphis. We play the Memphis Grizzlies G League team tomorrow, and we're focused on that right now just to be the politically correct answer.
0: <laughs> nice. How, how often are you guys playing games in the G League? Isn't it, like, every two or three days another game?
2: Yeah, so we're basically playing three games in four days, essentially. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we had, we're, we've broken it up into sets of three. So we play 15 games. You always play one game. You have a rest day, and then you play back-to-back. So that's kind of how our schedule's gone so far.
0: That's a, that's a lot of basketball in a short, period, short, short amount of time. <laughs> You're telling me, man. That's,
2: <laughs> I'm tired with the schedule. I can't imagine how the players' bodies feel right now.
0: How often do you, uh, do you have a scout game?
2: I have it every four games. Four games. So, So yeah, I had had, had Ignite, and then I had the first game of the season, and then I'll have the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, and then the Santa Cruz Warriors. Oh. And then if all goes well and we make it to playoffs, then I'll have the semifinal scout.
0: Nice. Awesome. Well, man, this was super interesting. i thank thanks again for coming on and doing this, Perry.
2: No, appreciate you guys having me on. You know, nice. <laughs> this is uh, it was awesome to catch up with Jason, and um, you know, I, I appreciate you guys reaching out and having me on.
0: Yeah, it's good to to hear just about you know somebody that came, maybe not somebody from Fresno, but somebody that came through and played some ball here, and uh, hear about all your successes after that. So yeah, good stuff. I think one thing you talked about,
1: Perry, is you talked about you being a gym rat and your work ethic. But I think one people I think a lot of people don't understand is you had the work ethic, but you also had the work ethic work ethic outside of basketball. You know, like you had the combination of both. Right. There's a lot of people who are gym rats. Right. There's a lot of people who work hard with basketball, but being able to learn another skill. Right. With a video. Right. Like.
3: Mm-hmm
1: you know, putting all those pieces being, right. It's like, like being like in basketball, being like a five tool player, right? Like it's not just being a specialist in one thing, but broadening your horizon and just being good at multiple things. I think, right. like, I, you know, and it's, I've always liked to keep in touch with you and see how you're doing just because it absolutely amazes me the journey that you're on knowing that you were that kid, your senior year, who was just had his face in a book and was just, <laughs> you know, like, it's just, It's it's amazes me, and I'm just you know I'm happy to be able to call you as a friend, and you know, and just to see all the progress you're making and the growth you're making, and I truly do believe, right? Eric Spolstra started off as a video coordinator, Hmm. and I you know I I will not be surprised that day when you are sitting on a staff on an NBA bench.
2: I really do appreciate that, man. I mean, you you guys can't
1: lie. You don't have to lie, man. I ain't gonna lie, Terry.
2: You, you know you guys didn't know i was gonna do this i didn't even know i was gonna do no i'm I mean, just so. saying
1: i didn't think you were gonna but like just the journey and the growth that you've had and the one thing about yeah. you is you know you put your mind to something you're able to achieve that right like not many people take 22 units and play college basketball
2: yeah yeah, yeah i hear you I, I appreciate that no i really do it's it's uh you know well you just live the dream like you said living the dream just taking it one day at a time just being happy where you are making the best out of where your feet are right now and i i've always just tried to have that attitude of gratitude um, mindset because you know this stuff can get taken away from you any day like uh, this year stuff was taken away from everyone you know at a moment's notice and nobody got a chance to basically say goodbye to it you know what i mean so yeah. like at, at any moment stuff gets taken away from you so you just have to be in that moment and you just have to be happy with where your life at because it can be much worse than people think at any any given day
1: perry i appreciate you once again man yeah i appreciate you too jason uh i hope your family's doing well and i hope this podcast takes off man i appreciate, I appreciate it. it appreciate, I appreciate it.
0: it awesome well we appreciate it thank you so much perry
1: and best of luck on the rest of your year go win that number four
0: we'll be it our best You've been listening to the Off the Bench podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at podoffthebench.